to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast, where we help you discover gospel clarity and openness in a new way by letting go of the culture and finding your truth while having some fun doing it. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Peck and Luann Roundy. All right, everybody, welcome back. Here we are once again for another fabulous episode of the Impeccable Perspective podcast. Uh, This time, we've decided to uh, throw a little twist in the plot, and uh, we are going to be talking about something that is not necessarily gospel-related. You want to tell our fans what we're doing? Oh, we're talking about one of my favorite things because it is a topic of uh, what's the best way to put it? Joy and uh, confusion and torment all at the same time. It is dating. Dating is something that you uh, are tormented with from the time that you're 16 on within the church. And then if you get, you know, you get married, you get divorced, you get to do it all over again, which Joe and I both have experienced. And it's a whole different experience. I'm feeling vulnerable already, uh, <laughs> right, right here and now. And uh, I'm feel like I'm going to be exposed on this one, but I'm doing it for all of you guys for the benefit of you guys to help you through your, your own dating challenges. Because my guess is many of the people listening to this have the same challenges that we have or will have the same challenges that we have in getting to date again. And that doesn't always have to be from divorce. It can be from death of a spouse or there's other things that, that or maybe they're still dating because they haven't gotten married and they still have that joy and torment all at the same time. So... Lots of reasons people are single, uh, for sure, and uh, you know there's just those sweet spirits out there that, uh, as well, that uh, just will probably be eternally single, and, <laughs> and that's okay. God has a path for you, and He loves you, so that's uh, you know don't be upset about that. But uh, <laughs> we uh, we all know who those people are. So okay, so we are going to jump right into that. We we decided that uh, we wanted the podcast to sort of have a, a mix to it and not just be completely gospel centric. Uh, but at the same time, we feel that uh, topics like this are valuable and can offer some uh, great insights into your own life and uh, and help you uh, you know just navigate through these challenges. I mean, let's be honest, uh, religious or not, or Mormon or not, or whatever you are, if you're out there dating, especially in the post-divorce world, uh, it sucks. You are uh, struggling, and we're all dealing with the same kind of problems and uh, the same experiences. And so if we can support each other and help each other get through and, and offer some uh, some best-known methods at work. Uh, I think everyone's going to be grateful for that. Yes. So here we are. I think that's the biggest thing. Whenever I went through my dating five years of being divorced and then getting married, remarried again, was the support system that I had. And I think that's where a lot of people fall apart is they see dating as an end goal of getting married and they really focus on, okay, I'm going to go find the one. And if they can't find the one, then they sit at home and don't go out and socialize and find that support system because there's a lot of other people out there that are single and and need that support and you can be such a a great resource and that's how a lot of people meet their spouses through their single friends and through those connections and through those groups and so that's part part of what we'll talk about too and through Lake Powell and through Lake Powell, we'll talk about Lake Powell, which is a big part of my uh, my dating story and oh, how I met Powell. my husband. 
We all have some stories, that's for sure. Oh, the the stories will flow today in all of this. So what we really want to focus on is um, dating and what is motivating my dating. Ooh, that one even rhymes. Motivating my dating. Faith or fear? Faith or fear is an interesting topic because um, faith is the opposite of fear. They cannot coexist together. So you cannot be in the dating world and say, oh, I totally am faithful that this is going to work out for me and say, and yet be based in fear that I'll never find anybody, someone's going to use me, I'm going to get hurt. I guarantee you whenever you date, you are going to get hurt. It is going to be a part of, it's part of life. It's always gonna be a part of life. That's the way that Heavenly Father set up the plan and dating is a wonderful experience in being able to experience a myriad of emotions ranging from just amazing connection and and fun and all the way down to hurt and rejection and uh, the big we're talking the big guns and that's where dating brings out these big emotions and that's why people get so scared of it and they have this fear and dating is about being and you're right it's about being emotionally vulnerable and even physically vulnerable in a relationship with someone that's new to you and it can again be fearful of i'm going to get rejected they're not going to like me or it can be faith in wow look at all of these wonderful things i get to experience and find out about myself and about someone else through this emotional spiritual physical vulnerability that i'm going to experience it's all new oh yes and uh torment is a good word for it uh i think you really hit it on the on the head there (laughs) Uh, voice of experience uh, right now, uh, for sure. But uh, yeah, there's lots of things uh, to kind of uh, dig into, and uh, I'm almost feeling like I don't know where to start. There's so much, uh, so much happening uh, with this that we could really get into. Um, let's. Uh, do you want to start talking about um, kind of fear and uh, and how that yep. that plays into things? Well, um, and let's start since you're the fresh dater, and I have been married. I'm very now. fresh. Very fresh. <laughs> Married now for 16 years, so my dating has been in the past, though there are moments that it seems very fresh where I remember what happened. But maybe talk about, and here here comes the vulnerability. It's Joe and his emotional nakedness over here, that uh, the vulnerabilities that you feel or the fear that you went into dating with, what what did you experience? The fear, okay. It's, uh, I I think there's there's a lot of things. First of all, I um, I was actually... Uh, excited to kind of start dating because it was a fresh chapter it was a new lease on life in a sense and uh, now I had a, a very successful marriage I would say it was a wonderful experience and uh, um, it, it started off with a with a just a fairy tale story which I don't mind telling if uh, if people would be interested in hearing that and uh, it didn't end badly in any way. And uh, I, I have a, a wonderful relationship with uh, my ex and my kids, and that's super important to me. And I think that that's how it should be. It's not like that for most people. And I'm very grateful for that. Uh, and uh, you know, we're, we're kind of making things work, but um, I uh, kind of, uh, in my situation too, we were in quite a, a unique scenario where we were separated for several years. And I kind of got all of the, uh, all that emotion out during that time before you know the official divorce happened and so by the time that I was officially divorced and ready to kind of date I was really ready right away to to sort of jump in uh, because I had um, gone through the emotional um, whatever it is that you kind of you know that transition right that you go through from uh, I'm married and now I'm not married and and so I kind of got all of that out so I was I, I felt like I was very 
uh, healed emotionally, very ready emotionally uh, to start going. So I did have kind of an enthusiasm for dating. Little did I know, right? What was what was waiting. ahead? What was ahead? Uh, that I think they call naivete, uh, but I learned very quickly that uh, things are not what they seem uh, in the the dating world, uh, especially at this age. And it's it's interesting. Like we've been working together as you know therapist and client for three plus years, and I've been officially divorced for two, and so um, I, I feel like I need you know, you more than ever, right? Because I'm navigating a whole new world that I didn't know existed and I have no idea how to get through it whatsoever. And people think that, well, I don't need, you know, a marriage counselor once uh, we're divorced because it's done and they've done their job and we've gotten through it and we're moving on. But I would argue that you need someone like that more than anything after you get divorced right. and you're getting out there. And, and I would agree with that because you're really finding yourself. And I think that's where the fears come in as I become more and more aware of myself and who I am because I want to present that to people. It's this fear of, and then if people really know who I am, they won't like me. And the fear going into dating is, what if I go out and I put myself out there? You know, here's Joe Peck. I'm putting myself out in all my glory that they're going to say, mm, I really don't want to date yeah, that, that actually right? happened. I, that. I just don't understand it. Don't understand <laughs> what's how, wrong with women? What's wrong with women? Uh, I know that. Well, we, don't, we can talk about that too because <laughs> there's a lot <laughs> that I've noticed. Uh, not not with women, but with some women, right? That, that I've met, and a lot of guys too. Uh, there, there's definitely problems out there that you have no idea are waiting for you. I, I wouldn't say that I had a lot of fear per se starting out because um, I, I was I was excited, and I thought people would be excited to to know that I'm single and available and, and out there. And, you know, who would want to say, hey, listen, this is, you know, this is a good guy, nice guy and everything. Let's let's kind of develop a relationship with that person and just start making connections and friendships and, 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 get, and get out there. Um, but, uh, yeah, it didn't really uh, work out that way <laughs> as much as I as I thought it would be. And I think you start to develop fears as you start to experience these things, because when you I don't think you can be afraid of something that you don't even know exists, I think. Right. Right. Well, and, and so I have a, a completely different story because I left a very abusive marriage. And before I got divorced, my ex-husband would tell me, you'll never get remarried. You need to change. There's all these things wrong with you. And I believed those. So whenever I went into the dating scene, I really thought that it would be a struggle and I was only starting to find myself and find out who I really was. And I, I find that with people who are coming in and people want to come and date because they want to prove themselves as good enough and worthy because they've been told in their unhealthy marriages. And that's why they leave the marriage that you are, you don't measure up there. There's a lot of shame in that. You don't measure up. There's something wrong with you. You're not pretty enough. You're not thin enough. You're not successful enough. You don't make enough money. You don't, um, give me what I need emotionally. There's something wrong with you. That's where the marriage ends. And so people come in broken and believe, and really filled with shame. And that's where the fear is. And they want to present something else other than who they are because they've been told for so long who you are isn't right and isn't desirable. And that's when they come in, especially in, we'll call it the Mormon because it's the culture again, the Mormon dating field to prove themselves by looking perfect, acting perfect, seeming perfect, as opposed to coming in and saying, and that's based out of fear, fear that I'm not acceptable, lovable, worthy, good enough to find someone 
that will want to date me or want to marry me because my ex-spouse told me that over and over and that's why we got divorced and, and in the first place and that they were right and I was wrong. There's a lot of right and wrong in that, which is a lot of judgment that goes on a lot of why marriages end is finger pointing as opposed to simply saying we just don't. I think that's more where your divorce was very amicable where, yeah. oh, okay, that's all right. We just have grown apart. We did. We yeah, found ourselves in a different situation and, and grew apart and kind of uh, just realized that, uh, you know, this what the, well, I mean, the, you know, the connection was lost. I don't want to get in, in detail. I certainly don't want to point any fingers at all uh, because uh, I, I uh, am, I, I would say I was the one who kind of got us on that path of disenchantment and, and, and sort of a disconnection um, from from me. And, 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 and that's okay. I mean, this is interesting. One of the things that you've told me that has really helped immensely is how uh, it's okay to 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 not... To, to change, first of all. It's mm-hmm. okay to go through change as a person and to not really be that connected to who you're married to at that time because it's very true that people come into our lives at stages of our life for specific purposes and for, spe- for specific reasons. And then once that purpose has been served, they no longer need to be in our life. And that can happen in marriage. As, as well at times and I mean I knew my ex absolutely was uh, I was supposed to marry her I I knew that um, she was meant to be in my life she was the reason that I joined the church and introduced me to it which I'll always be grateful for and I'll always love her for that we have a beautiful family with four beautiful children amazing children who I, I love more than anything and so blessed to have really well-developed uh, kids who are grounded and you know we worked really hard to raise them with the right uh, value system and it shows, and they're beautiful kids who love each other, and they love their family, and uh, they're, they're just the joy of my life. I'm very grateful for that. Uh, but, you know, I, 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 I've changed, and I, I feel like, and this is kind of where it went, was I needed a different kind of person in my life to fulfill me with where I wanted to go, and we both just grew apart in wanting different goals right different things in, mm-hmm. in life and well in different places you put your time and your energy I think yeah. that's another one of I've, I've in changing in marriage many times that happens and you figure out from where I've grown from where we started we just no longer align in our time energy and and who we are and that's okay to say there's nothing bad or wrong with that there's not but the problem is in the culture of the church especially they will look at that and say well you know you guys who are married in the temple and you've made uh, you know a covenant to to be married for eternity so that's it like you've done it and then that's your life this is it you're married to that person this is your eternal companion why would you ever change that right and they don't realize we have an entire life to live together and who knows what's going to happen and who knows who's going to change and what experiences we're going to have and you know maybe honestly and this is what the church or not the church this is what the culture will not understand but it is very likely and very possible that you know we're meant to marry certain people for a season in our lives for specific reasons but they're not our eternal companion but people get so caught up again in the checklist right they get so caught up in the fact that everything is just fixed everything is just permanent so once you marry that person for eternity there's just no other option you have to stay with that person no matter what and all these things and oh it's such a a mourning period if you ever get divorced and lose your eternal companion i've had people tell me I, i tell my story to them and they and because we're not we don't hate each other they say oh there's you know there's probably still a chance you guys can get back together then right and 
we need to get you guys back together because you were married in the temple. It's like, it's, I mean, no, that, we're, we're, it, that's not what's going on. But they have this mindset, right, where there, there's, you have to stay with that person because you ended up getting sealed to that person. But that's not true. It might not be God's plan. Right. Well, that takes away your choice. And that's exactly. never God's plan because you're sealed in the temple for eternity because you would want to spend eternity with that person. And it's, again, it's okay to say we've grown apart and agree that that maybe that wasn't really, we didn't understand that whenever we first came together we, or we just changed. And that, And it's okay, again, to be able to say that because maybe for her, there's someone that would be a better fit for eternities. You would find that also. The the caveat in that is when there's abuse in a relationship, that is time that it, that you really do need to leave because that's crossing boundaries. And when people are crossing boundaries in your life, it's not done out of love. It's done out of something that's going on inside of them that if you set the boundary and ask them to not cross it again and they continue to do it over and over, that's their issue to work on for them to figure out why can't I continue to have healthy boundaries and understand how to do those. And that's theirs to work on. But that's a time that marriage is never going to be healthy is whenever there are, there's abuse. And, and that's, and that's, and to be able to say there's abuse, I need to leave this to take care of myself. And that's done out of faith. Fear would say, I need to stay in it because I was sealed in the temple and I made a covenant because you did. And that means everything will work out. That is not God's view of it. God is a very boundaried person and he wants us to live a boundaried, loving life where we cross a boundary. We hurt someone and we say, oh, wow, that really hurt you. I can tell I feel sorrow or I feel grief over that. Um, or I feel guilty and I want to not do that again. And they work at not crossing that boundary and it shifts into a place of love again, where you can work on that relationship. And, and so even within the, the decision to stay married, it's done out of faith and not out of fear, fear that there'll be retaliation or fear that it will get, that there's no escape from it. Well, it is. And that, that's what really bothers me about the culture of the church is a, a serious problem with that kind of mindset because people are literally told in situations you're talking about, right, where they are being physically abused by, we'll, we'll say, by their husband, because that's usually the case. So, uh, you know, a woman will go to her church leader and tell them this, and they will say, no, 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 you need to stay in that relationship because you were sealed to that person. And then they go a step further and use fear and shame to to get that end because they will say, well, don't you want to stay with your family? for eternity right and that's unfair that's completely unfair to guilt somebody about that and i don't think that that's how it is god is not going to say well yeah this guy abused you physically and and hurt you and everything and you left so i understand that but um you know you're not going to be able to spend eternity with your children uh because of that choice that you made that's not there's no arbitrary there's no no doctrine doctrine for that no but that's the problem with the the church culture and this is what people are told. And when, you know, you grow up your whole life believing that your church leader is an authority and then they say this kind of thing, you feel like you have to believe them or else you're going to not fit in and not be accepted and you're going to be shamed. What a horrible situation to be in. And it's not the gospel in any way whatsoever, but the culture is so destructive that way, especially when it comes to this. And then, we, you know, we can talk about the, uh, the, the whole idea of the hierarchy of... Um, 
you know, single people and how they stack up against the celestial married people, how they're, you right. know. And there is no hierarchy all, in that. No, there's no hierarchy. But, and I would say that's a, a problem even not in the church, that people will stay together for their children. Their oh, marriage yeah. is a mess. So and tell they me, will, yeah, like people say that all the time, but tell me why that's a, that's a bad idea. Oh, uh, because you're not in your marriage for your children. You are damaging your children whenever you and your partner have negative emotions and negative interactions with each other and your children can feel that undercurrent throughout your home and all you're teaching your children is how to have a um, a dis like a, a marriage that's not working one that's unhealthy one that isn't based out of love and trust and companionship it's based out of distrust hurt fear um, abuse and you're teaching your child to just simply have a relationship like that because that's what they will see marriage as being and that's not what you want your children to but that to get into but that's what as they learn children will search for a companion that they've seen their parents have that type of companionship because that's what they know that's all that they know so and parents will tell me well we're just going to stay together till our children are grown and out of the house and then we'll get divorced you're doing your children a disservice it's better to to divorce now and and it's going to be difficult we're back to that difficult and having faith but having faith that teaching your child correct principles is going to be far more advantageous to them being healthy adults than it is for them you to stay together with someone that you are either being abused by or that you don't get along with or no longer have the same the same goals or the same direction same feelings towards them as you once did too and the same feelings and that's the thing that they will learn because love is a feeling and and that's an interesting thing to talk about in dating is love and if my parents tell me I love you, but I don't feel it, it's very confusing because it's a mixed message. They feel one thing, but the words say another. So then they say, oh, love equates to this feeling. And then they will search for love in that feeling because that's what they know and understand. But that's not the truth. And again, you're doing your child a disservice in teaching them love feels like this. Uh, married love because that's what they will believe and know because they don't know it from anybody else and I guarantee you movies aren't going to teach it to them and there's nobody in the world out there that's going to teach it to them um, I'll have clients say like I had one um, that we have the Mesa Temple open house and she went with uh, a family and she said and I watched how the family interacted and I realized it was different than my family and I longed for certain things that they had and that's good kids will start to realize oh, I really do want my family whenever I have it to be more like that because they start to recognize things in their family maybe aren't working and, and they gain an insight into that. But it's a difficult place to be and there has to be an awareness about that. Well, kids are more resilient, I think, than we give them credit for, right? And um, I, I agree with you. Staying together just for the kids doesn't make sense at all. And it tortures you for the next five to ten years until your kids are all out of the house as well, where you have to stay in a situation that you don't like. And uh, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's wasting time. And when, when you could be you know, out meeting someone and, and actually having the kind of experience that you want to have with that kind of person. But I don't know, people can justify all kinds of things. So here's a crazy fear that I think is very unique that I have that probably a lot of other, well, especially members of the church don't have because of everything. But um, I, one of my biggest fears as I started going out and dating was, um, the fear of rejection because of my faith. Yeah. Yeah. And, and there's several reasons for that. And you say, well, I mean, what do you mean? You know, you're dating Mormon women. Why would, why would, why would that be a problem? And well, I'm not uh, all exclusively at all. Uh, it, you know, I, I, I mix it up and, and there's some reasons that I don't, and it's all cultural. And, uh, that, that's a whole, um, 
nail therapy session in itself is just understanding that. But let me, I want to say, I want to say my reason for that, because I can guarantee you that there are a ton of guys, you know, LDS guys out there who are going to nod their head and say, yep, that's exactly what I experienced. And so, uh, and this is again, my perspective, right? From, from looking at the gospel, looking at the culture of the church, seeing how people act, seeing the experiences that they have. And this is a very, very real thing. One of the problems that, uh, that I have with all of this is in terms of dating, but specifically the virtues of, uh, you know, modesty and chastity, right, and purity and all these kinds of things. Now, um, it's no secret, right, that um, the, uh, the culture of the church will absolutely drive home the message, especially to young women, especially to women, but that you have to remain pure, you have to remain chaste, right, you have to remain uh, wholesome, all the time because a you want to get married in the temple. I mean, there's no choice. You have to go get married in the temple, and also uh, there. And this really, really, it, it chaps my ass. To be honest, because they, they, there's there, the shame and the guilt that is used is is absolutely criminal in, in my opinion. When, there are you know the, these um, the, these lessons that people teach the whole idea of the chewing gum analogy, right? right. And that's that's one that that really. And then there's others. And you know, if if we said, hey, listeners, uh, you know, comment on, uh, you know, experiences you've had or you've seen of ways that you've been shamed uh, by by the culture of the church, uh, we get all kinds of um, of, uh, of opinions on that. But the idea of the analogy of a chewing gum is uh, if you, and this is again directing directed at teenage girls, right? And you're telling them, hey, if you kiss a boy or if you let a boy, you know, touch you or if you have sex or if you uh, have have uh, impure thoughts about someone, you are like a piece of chewing gum that someone has chewed. If I chewed a piece of gum and gave it to you, would you chew it? No, of course not. Okay, so that's what you're like. Suddenly you are being compared to a piece of gum that nobody wants and it has no value. And that is an incredibly horrible thing. Think about the self-esteem, right, mm-hmm. of a young woman, a teenage girl. Like how impressionable they are! Crushed at that point, that I'm worthless completely. And right. so they're taking that and growing up with it, right? And they're, 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 and and you get told that your whole life, and so you get programmed that we must be pure and we must be chaste. And I don't want to knock those virtues. Those are beautiful virtues, right? I'm not saying that that you know everybody should go out and live, um, be promiscuous and live any way that you want. There are boundaries, like we talked about, and there are virtues that God extols because those are important for our health, for our mental health, for our well-being, and for our happiness. There's no question about that. But here's the problem: the way that the church culture handles it is very, very damaging because using shame and guilt like that to drive a message home, what happens is their brains become rewired and the subtext that they take from all of this is that sex and intimacy is wrong, right? If you're saying, well, I shouldn't kiss a boy or I'm going to be worthless and no one's going to want to marry me because I'm not pure, then I can't kiss a boy. Well, and then it's the mixed message because they kiss a boy and it feels good because yeah. kissing does feel Guess good. What? We were made that way, right? Because it's... Heavenly Father made us that way because when we kiss and we are sexually attracted to the opposite sex, that is natural and normal and it is part of God's plan and right. part of the proclamation that man and woman are you know, ordained for this marriage and pro- to procreate. And it's wonderful and you want 
want to, and that's the difficult part is this mixed message. Well, in church, they said this was bad and wrong, but I'm doing it. It feels really good. And that's where they don't, that it's the confusion and the mixed message And church all of a sudden doesn't seem like it's teaching you correct principles because that's not the truth. And it's really living the truth. And the truth of it is we do, you know, have these morals and principles and ethics that we live up to because it's that marriage is ordained and that we procreate in the bonds of marriage because that's what's best for a child because that's how they and that's science there's lots of science behind that that a child needs two parents to teach them and lead them and guide them and that's if you're engaging in those sexual activities you there's not that stability to be able to have that emotional support and and physical body that understands it and mental capacity to understand it and and yet if you if things happen and you and that's why we learn we learn through mistakes and mistakes happen that's why we have the atonement and that's really the overlying message that that our youth need is you're going to go out and make mistakes guaranteed and you, that's what the atonement's for and let's just talk about the doctrine and about the basic commandments that God's given us and our prophets given us that will help us to have boundaries to be safe and healthy because all boundaries are about being safe and healthy and and yet and that's the same thing in dating is going into it feeling um there's something wrong with me I'm bad I'm wrong because of whatever even if I made mistakes in my marriage and that's why I got divorced I made mistakes in my marriage okay now I'm divorced there's something wrong with me no one will ever want to marry me I'll just settle for whatever I can find. And often that's what will happen as opposed to, I made mistakes, I learned that's what the atonement's for. I'm going to partake of that and gain through my faith this wonderful cleansing. And I become this new creature that is even better than what I was before through that. And I may have lost my spouse because of that. And that's okay too, Mm -hmm. because I'm learning and growing. And they've, they've, are hurt to the point where they can't continue into that or something's happened. And that's okay also to say that and then to move on to something else to be able to find. Well, it is exactly. And I mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and the, you know, again, the problem with the, the culture is they paint a picture that you're not supposed to sin. We're supposed to be perfect, which we'll never achieve, but people don't understand the atonement. And, you know, honestly, if you're not sinning, you're leaving money on the table in my opinion, right? Because the atonement was already paid for you to sin. Like it covers everything that you do, and we know that we're, I mean, I don't mean go out and sin, just whatever, and, and not care, but understand that you're going to sin. We're all go- going mm-hmm. to sin, of course, every single day, and understand that's okay, and anyone who judges you for that does not understand the atonement, in my opinion. And that's not their their place to judge. Not at all. And, the, and then you sin, and you feel the emotions that God gave us, so I go out, it's kind of like, I can always, I always compare things to eating, because eating's easy, everyone has to do it. I learn, and everyone loves to eat. Everyone loves to eat. I learn to not eat too much because really that's the, you look at the, you know, seven deadly sins, like gluttony is one of those. I learn to not eat too much because of the feeling in my body is I am overstuffed and I feel sick or I might throw up and I go, ah, that wasn't a very good thing to do. I don't ever want to do that again. But I, I do the same thing whenever I feel, I go out and I sin and I feel guilty and I go, ah, I really don't ever want to do that again because I don't like that feeling. And we learn, and that's again what the atonement is for, is to wash those things away and to be able to be new and cleansed, to come into it saying, this is me. And that's again, we're dating, letting go of those fears. This is who I really am. And having that testimony and being truthful and honest 
there's the faith part. Truthful and honest, this is who I am. I've, this is my life story. Here's what's happened to me and who I've become. And that person being able to say, oh, I'm really attracted to that person that you are because you're being truthful and honest with me. Or that person saying, eh, you know, that really isn't who I'm attracted to. That's okay. And it's, it's, it's the rejection part that gets difficult based out of fear that I'm going to be rejected. Um, rejection goes right into our primitive brain because back in caveman days, whenever a person was rejected out of the tribe and kicked out, they would die. They, because you needed your tribe because you had things that you each did. Like people would go out and hunt others would take care of the kids. Others would raise the corn in the garden and others would, you know, be the spiritual leader and everyone did their part. And within that you all survived because you worked together. But if you got kicked out, you didn't have shelter, you didn't have food that other people were bringing, and you didn't have that companionship, and they knew that they were going to die, and that's what triggers into our brain. Rejection feels like I'm literally going to die, and it sends that message to our body of that that fight, flight, or freeze of, oh my goodness, I don't want to be rejected, and then people won't date because they're so afraid to be rejected that they, they and people will tell you, I, I feel like I'm going to die whenever... I'm going to go out and date. I, I, I mean, I felt that. Oh, it's true. Yeah. The, like the, it's just easier just to stay home and it not, is. not deal with it and watch, to be honest. Watch, and, and there's some, yeah, well, watch exactly watch Netflix or whatever you exactly. want. There's, there's some merit to that because dating is okay. I won't say it's a shit show, but I'm going to say that it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> challenge, but it is like, let's be honest. Like everyone will say, yeah, it's absolutely a shit show <laughs> out there, but it, it is, it's horrible. And pe- it's easier for people just to say, you know, I really just don't want to go out and have that experience and be let down again. I'm just going to stay home. But then you, re- you know, you, you, you kind of get in that mindset and you stop trying and you're never going to be able to reach your goal. So I want to get back to that, uh, the story to getting back to my fear, uh, because this is, is something that people can definitely relate to like that. But the problem, uh, and I'm getting to my fear of, of uh, the religion thing. Uh, so the, the problem that I see is that uh, I'm just going to use women because I'm a man. And so I'm obviously dating women. And so women are the, the problem when they're just constantly told and shamed and guilted into thinking that they have to be so perfect and they can't uh, you know, do anything that might be considered uh, sinful in terms of of love and sex and, and intimacy at all. They their brain gets programmed right to think that this is wrong. It's or bad. I, it's bad. I have to be. I have to live within these tiny boundaries. And I can't exceed them. Or I'm going to drive the spirit from my home. Or God is going to hate me or punish me. Or my husband's not going to love me. Or I'm not going to be worthy to go to the temple or whatever the case is. All this false fear. And, but the problem is they bring that programming into their marriage. They get married and all of a sudden everyone's like, okay, you guys go have sex. It's okay now, you know. And they get there and it's like, I don't think I want to do it. Like, because like, their brain is still like, well, just remember, it's this bad. is wrong. It's bad. Okay, you can do it, but you better not enjoy it. You better not do it very often. And you better not do anything other than a missionary position in the dark because then you're a pornographer and that is wrong, right? And again, these are their beliefs. It isn't necessarily beliefs, that someone dealing with that said that to them, but no, they no, no. take a little tidbit That's the and subtext. they run with it. I'm in... telling you when, you, when you shame somebody oh, with yeah. a story like... You, you know, no one says sex is wrong, but when they tell you, well, you're basically worthless if you do it, so draw your own conclusions, that's a connection in their brain, right? Mm-hmm. The synapses change and connect and say, well, sex must be wrong because it's a shame to do it. And I don't want to, you know, I want to have a gospel home and I want our home to be sacred and all these things, so I don't want uh, these evil things in my home. It's just all messed up. And the problem is you don't have a, a great, uh, incredible sex life with your partner and then you start to wonder, why is my husband looking at porn all the time, right? Because you, you're not willing to, to be that partner. And I'm not saying you're a sex slave.
slave. I'm saying sex and, and love making, it's an incredible, beautiful gift that we've been given. And God gave us very simple boundaries, very simple oh, yeah. boundaries. He didn't say you can't do it all the time. He didn't say you can't get crazy with it, right? You can't enjoy it. But in the bonds of marriage. In the bonds of marriage. That's yeah, it. that's all it is. That's what the boundary is. And then be faithful. Right. To your spouse, which is fantastic. Emotionally faithful, physically, physically faithful. faithful, all of these things. All of these things. Right. Mentally faithful. That's it. And and the thing is, sexual intimacy, it goes hand in hand with love, that whenever I love someone, I want to have that bonded, connected Well, of course, that's what it's for. Right. In the scriptures where it talks about a man and woman become cleave. one in the flesh, right? And cleave to each other, yeah, but mm-hmm. they become one in the flesh. What do you think that's talking about? It's talking about sex, right? And that's the idea. It's a gift that we've been given and meant to enjoy. And God is not saying, oh, yeah, you guys got too crazy last night. That's a sin. It's nothing like that at all. And and it's done out of love. And, of course it is. And that's yeah. where partnerships are. Knowing each each of the partner and it's a give and take in each of that and doing it out of love as opposed to out of I have to perform, I have to measure up. There's the fear and the shame again that creeps into an intimate relationship. Um, that it, I I want to engage in this out of loving this person emotionally and being connected to them, and and that's where the enjoyment comes in and the freedom to experience things that you're not afraid to really to be close to that person emotionally physically right. all of those things but it, it's it's like you, you can't imagine how incredible your your marriage can be when you have a beautiful open incredibly uh, you know just fantastic sex life where you're both on the same page both committed to it there's that incredible bond right that you have this emotional and spiritual bond Correct. that you connect and, and that just enhances the physical so much it's a but it's and it's a part of marriage people yeah, that struggle thing. with that part of their marriage it, it it it's they they need to talk about it they need to converse and say what's why are we struggling what's going on to maybe why there's been abuse in the past or that another person feels vulnerable and they don't know how to do that. I feel uncomfortable being vulnerable and the other person communicating back. I, I totally can validate that and understand that and, and saying, I'm not judging you. I think that's a big part, especially for women, that their husbands aren't looking at them and judging them as good or bad that because their body looks a certain way because in child rearing years women's bodies change drastically that's just the way the way that our bodies are made and it's loving and accepting women and their bodies in in this intimate relationship for where they're at and you love your wife no matter what like and it's that's and again, there's boundaries within that, that it, you're still trying to work on those things. It's not something you can just let go, but you work on it because you love yourself first. You love your body because God gave it to you and loaned it to you. And it's a temple and you tell him, I'll take care of this. I'll exercise. I'll eat healthy. I'll try to do the things that I can to take care of it. And within all of that, it all just works pretty seamlessly. If there's not all of these past hurts and things that are, are stuck and that's where therapy comes in is people just need to work through those things and then things can open up is is normally what I will right. see they need to be healed to do that but I'm going to challenge you on 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 part of that because uh, like I, I agree like we should absolutely talk it through and and a you know sex is such a, a taboo thing growing up like you don't even say the word to anybody People are very uncomfortable talking about it because of how they've been grown up. And the other problem I find, and we'll just say again with, with women, is that this, this programming makes them believe that they're right about the way that they feel about this. That they, yeah, I really shouldn't 
you know, dishonor God by, by enjoying sex and being selfish. Another thing, they think it's being selfish because I'm really enjoying this so much that I shouldn't be that selfish. I should be serving other people. And, and so they, they kind of have, they don't want to even want to discuss it because it's like, you know what, this is what God wants. This is what is right. This is what we've been taught. All false, right? But that, so I'm saying it's hard to, to get into that conversation if you want to because sometimes people, and men too, they're, they're programmed the same way, but they can't um, they, they can't really talk about it because they uh, they just think that well listen there's nothing to talk about this is right we can't do those things right. this is goes against the teaching and we go back again to being spoon fed as opposed to feasting oh, if you have gone and been spoon fed that now it's time to go home and this is what we're told over and over go home and find out for yourself read pray ask and none of that will ever come back as truth because there's no truth eat pray love how about that one there, that's a great book actually to, <laughs> to where she finds herself and and the same thing happens in her divorce in eat pray love where she feels so there's something wrong with me i just don't know who i am and through meditation and through prayer and really finding herself she she realizes i am this amazing person that has a lot to offer and and that's where when you go home and and you read those things God does want us to enjoy and have joy in our life, but that's to be determined in your marriage or in between you and your spouse, whatever that is, in a, in a healthy boundary, again, of, of marriage. Right. Yeah. All right, getting back to me. So, um, uh, yeah, just talking about that story. So I see this going on. And uh, I have, maybe it is a fear. Maybe I have a fear of, of dating some LDS women because of this program. And it's obvious. I mean, they are, and the, the fear comes from the fact that I have a completely different experience. I did not grow up in this church. I do not have that programming in, in my life. I was not really taught things, at least about that, the way that, that it's taught you know, continually through your entire life by everybody you know and respect and everyone who's an authority figure. So it's just a constant barrage. And so I, I was very sexually active before I joined the church because that's how you live your life. That's just what you do. That's all you know. That's a normal thing. Like any guy who's a real guy is going to go out and try and hook up. That's just, that's pleasure. That's fun. That's what the world teaches you, right? You do all that kind of stuff. So I'm, you know, coming in, into this with a, a different level, a different expectation, uh, a different view on sex. And then when you're talking to someone who uh, feels you know, differently from the programming of the church, there's a complete uh, incompatibility there, right? Because the expectations are different. What you're willing to do and what you want to do is completely different. What you think is right is different. And it just doesn't work. Like it, there's no satisfaction in that whatsoever. And I'm just not going to settle for that personally. So I've found, and that's not true with every LDS woman. Let me be fair. Right. I know, I know a lot who are absolutely just like me. There might be a me. tidbit of judgment in all of that. And in, in like, hey, it, would it, it be it, me it, if I didn't, no, if wouldn't. I didn't, come and, on. And it's not all LDS women, but I can no, see as not. a culture many times you that know has, it's there. It's there. It's, there. it's, it's, it's been it's, pervasive. It's, it is yeah, getting pervasive. better. There's less of it now, but yes, it is pervasive. Yeah. But I mean, that doesn't matter because all the women who are, are ready to date now have already gone through it. Have like, gone through it's great it. that the next generation won't have it as bad. Correct. The but, shaming has really stopped in yeah. that way. But it's, again, asking yourself and finding for yourself what works for me. And that mean, and, and that's, not, that's really up for you to decide with your spouse in those bounds of love. And, and what you're looking for is totally understandable that you want something that 
that can create this amazing experience. But that's, I, I want it the way that God intended it to be kind exactly. of thing. Like he's, he, he absolutely intended it for us to love and just to, to just embrace and, and just be so connected physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually in, in terms of love. And there's no shame in that at all. If you have a beautiful sex life with your spouse and that's the only one you have sex with and it's you just wonderful. like, it's one, of course, it, but it brings a level of happiness and connection that you can't get any other way. You can't fake that kind of stuff. You have to, uh, you know, to, to, it has to be very real and it, it becomes real th- through that kind of connection. And now that's why I'd want to spend eternity with someone yes, because the sex is, is awesome. <laughs> because that is how connected I am to them. Yes. And that's where the dating comes in that it is scary to go out there and to be myself because if I'm rejected as really being me, Sometimes that that fear creeps back in of maybe I'm not all that and maybe I really have a lot of flaws and I'm not lovable and acceptable because I was being me and you know no one's asked me out let's say that that's happened because I'm playing more the role of the woman which that happens and they say but how come no men love me for being me so then they'll try and change themselves they'll change their hair they'll change the way they dress they try to be more promiscuous or less promiscuous and and then they just it's it's fake and they're never learning to just be themselves because that vulnerability is very difficult to be transparent and to to let people know who you really are on the inside. And that's the big, a big fear and a big issue in dating. And if people could just go into the YSA wards, into the, the mid singles wards, into any part of dating with, this is who I am. And I am firm in that. And I know who I am. That is healthy. And that's what we need in the dating scene. Not trying to please others by whatever they're wearing or doing or acting like is what I'm going to do. Yeah, hundred percent. I and I, I, you know, I, I, I agree with that, of course. And um, I, I think for me, it's it's really just about your perspective on sex and intimacy and all those things. I, I'm not saying you need to change and become this this freak in the bed kind of situation to to attract me or someone but like me. But women will do that. They, they will. I'm not saying that that's what we want. I'm I'm not saying that that's right at all. I, I, what I'm saying is, listen, you need to have a healthy perspective on sex. And if you feel that from the programming of the church that you have all these false beliefs about it, that's not good. That has to change. You have to get healed from that and reprogram that. Not change who you are, but just I'm talking about your perspective on sex. And so as a result of you know seeing a lot of that in the culture, that's just not the right fit for me. And I have met LDS women who are a lot like me, which is fantastic. I love that there's hope right, for, for people like that. But I've also found myself dating uh, non-LDS women. And meeting non-elders women because they're really you don't have that barrier in, in any way. There's right. no programming. They love sex. It's all, in fact, you know, the problem I have is that it's it's there's an incompatibility issue because of the standards of the church and and you know a lot of people, not all, but I mean people are very casual with sex and with uh, with partying and drinking and all these kinds of things. And again, no judgment here, but I've had I've had women say, "Listen, I I'm not going to date you because." You know, I I have my standards, and I really, honestly, I just love to to drink, and I want somebody who's going to just socialize with me in that regard. And when I'm in a relationship with somebody, we're having sex. That's just what's important to me, and that's how it is. And whether we get married or not is another thing. But uh, you know, if we're committed to each other, I want to be having sex, even whether we're married or not. All these things, and so it's. Um, and, and you know, there's, things just don't jive, and that's okay. And I've met women who uh, who have the same standards, uh, likewise, or who are good with with the standards that I have, and I'm good with the standards that they have, and they understand it, and all these things. And, and, and it's great. But I just find myself 
being um, you know drawn to people who are going to be more likely to be receptive to me and be, and be the person that I want them to be. But my fear is that I, I like I, as soon as I meet someone who's not LDS, my instant fear is like, okay, she's going to reject me because of my lifestyle. Correct, and and that's interesting. That fear of this is who I am, and I will stay true to these morals and ethics and the things that I have covenanted to, to in the temple. Like that's something that's really important to you that the women would struggle with that. And that just tells you again, that's not the woman I would want to marry. But I would challenge that there are non LDS women out there that would be attracted to that and say, good for you that there's someone out there that, that sticks to those things. And I'm willing to work with that. It may not be their lifestyle, but they would right. be willing to try that. Well, you, you know that. that, I mean, the last woman I, I dated was like that, right? She, she actually was not LDS, but she was seeking after LDS men because of the standards, because of the values, right? And she was willing to accept that. Uh, she was a Christian and everything like that, but not, not LDS in any way, but wanted someone with those because all the other guys that weren't LDS were pretty much douchebags out there, right? right? And so she wanted that wonderful connection, that loving experience, that those standards. It was too bad she had a lot of, you know, problems right <laughs> the, uh, that's how it goes right for me there's but, more to that story there's but more it, to that story so it's coming into to dating with faith faith that this is who i am and i'm going to represent that within within wherever whatever realm you choose and again there's no right or wrong in that it's come you know date those that you feel attracted to and things and there are many times that people get married and they are not members and they end up converting and, or it, it just, we don't know where all of that goes. And it's having faith in the Lord's plan again and faith that dating does work. There's such a big, um, stigma with dating, even in the world, all of the world where you hang out, you, you wouldn't say you're going on a date because that's a commitment level of, of I, I'm really interested in you. And that's difficult for people because then there's preconceived ideas. If from a woman's point of view, if a man asked me out on a date, that means this is serious. And they start planning the wedding after date number one. And for men, it's that same fear of, if I ask her out, she's going to have this preconceived idea that we're, that we're committed to each other. And that's setting that boundary and, you know, that I were dating as friends and that is a healthy way to come into it. Let's just get to know more. Let's have fun together. Groups are great for that. And that's where that group support comes in. If you can be together and connect and in groups, then it, it helps because you get to see how they interact with others and interact with you. But letting go again of those preconceived ideas about what dating is and it's healthy to spend time one-on-one to have those intimate conversations to be able to be vulnerable to each other and and not have that fear of this person's going to hurt me or use me or there's reject me in that way and I don't know do you find that there are men out there who don't date a lot because of that fear yeah there yeah there, there is is it's um and and same thing as for for women too there's a lot of uh a lot of people just don't. I mean, and, and honestly, I think they're all in the singles wards, really. If you, if you go there, like There's, these people, it's it's a weird phenomenon. You would think that a singles ward was designed to bring people together. Like it brings all the singles together in the hopes that they're going to get married, pair up, and, and date people. But they don't. They go there and they just don't. It's the weirdest thing to me. And I, I think one of the reasons is that the community, the LDS community, let's say, is is small enough that everyone knows each other. And when you date somebody and it doesn't work out, you all have the same friends and it becomes really awkward. I think that's a fear for people as well. And I don't know. I think it's it's weird that some people just 
um, want to, I don't know, they, they're just fine being single. I think it's fear that just holds them back. They look at the dating as such a big commitment to do. It's such a big job to get out there and make that effort. It's just not worth it anymore. They'd rather just stay home and do what they want to do. But I, I don't know. I mean, I'm lonely. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I need to have a companion for so many reasons, just that connection and all of that stuff. And I can't, I'm not going to sit around and be single my whole life. And that's the longing for connection that's so driven within us that God gave us. That is the healthy thing to listen to, to say, I do want someone to share my life with. I do want to have that, that connection. And I would agree. I think many of the mid singles especially have gotten so steeped in the fear that they go in very guarded and not very open to, wow, there's a lot of possibilities within this ward or family or within whatever activity that I've gone to. And I see those as possibilities. They go in more guarded of no one's going to like me. I've got to have my guard up because there's a lot of people out there that are weird or that will use me. And I remember, uh, so that takes me back to whenever I first went to my first mid-singles event after I got divorced, I went to a dance because I thought it would be pretty safe. And it's, I don't horrible. know. They're horrible. <laughs> oh my gosh. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's the weirdest thing. I mean, you, you just take the nerdiest people you can find and put them in an awkward room with the lights on and average music playing. And that's, and that's, that's about dance. what I came into. Yeah. And, and even coming into the church building as it was at a church was, I just wanted to throw up like my whole body and my sensation was, this is just, it's so hard to get past that fear of, of what's going to happen. And it was not a great experience. It's exactly what you described. A lot of men who were extremely older than me that had been single for a long time or never married at all. And it was very awkward and, and it was not, and, and it's amazing. I ever went to anything in the mid singles again after that. Cause I just wanted to run home and never put my head hide my head in the sand and never come out again. Oh, no, it's horrible. I do not recommend it at all. I don't go to church activities as a, as a rule, just because, I mean, it's just not my crowd. It's not my thing. I mean, they, they're so, so wholesome and, and sweet that it's just like not interesting to me. And I'm not saying it's got to be off the hook crazy, right? But I mean, it's just, it's, it's just childish kind of thing. In, you know, it's so wholesome, ways. it's childlike. And so maybe trying to change those, if you're a part of those, into, hey, let's just have this be a gathering of people that are getting to know each other in a, right. in a different way. Well, I have way. that. In, I, I do. I'm really super grateful for uh, a group of singles. And, and most people are, are LDS, and that's fine. We don't care um, if you're not at all. But these are actually cool people um, who kind of share the same values as I do, the same outlook, the same perspective on, on dating and all these things. And we hang out and, you know, we, we just went to uh, California for a weekend together with a big group of us and had like the most amazing time. It was so much fun. And these are all really cool people. You can be yourself, you know, so I can, for example, I can, you know, like swear around these people and nobody gets offended. <laughs> right. That, but I, honestly, like we're just joking aside, we are all connected in, in the way that we think and our perspective on things. And it's great. This, you find your tribe and, you know, my tribe is not at these church activities. My, my tribe are the people who are, you know, the professional singles who are out there and want to just go do fun things that are really cool and exciting. And Nobody gets weird because, you know, oh, this might be inappropriate or that might be inappropriate or whatever. It's just roll with it and just make it happen. So there's all of that. Um, why don't we talk about dating sites? Um, and when I say that, I mean trust and rejection mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> dating fix, sites fix are mindset. In, dating sites are interesting. They have taken an um, emotionally void or emotionally removed approach to dating where it's a swipe you know everyone swipes one way or the other and it's all about um reading a profile and your picture it's really about the picture the picture is literally where your brain's gonna say 
It is for me. I literally swipe off yep. the picture. I mean, I, re- I do read the profiles. If, if they're somewhat, like if I find them somewhat attractive, I want to learn more. I absolutely will read the profile. So it's not just about the picture, but initially it is. And I'll be honest, like, you know, and you can call me a jerk or whatever you want for that, but it is for guys, especially if you're just not the, you know, if you don't look, if I'm not attracted to your look, mm-hmm. Why would I invest any more time? I know I'm just not going to be interested. Which right? in some ways is very honest, but in yeah, other ways 100%. it becomes very cliche. And it's it's yeah. difficult to be honest with yourself and open. And if, if people can go into those maybe more emotionally connected to just feel as opposed to judge, letting go of judgment and just feeling, I think that's a, a, a better way to look at those. It's a way, it's, an end, it's a means to an end that... Mm-hmm. Um, I can go through larger amounts of people to find them, but there's no, I don't know how effective it is a lot of times where you're not meeting up. And that's where I like the idea of singles groups where you find friends that you connect with and they invite friends to activities. And that's where you have those people who have that vibe, whether it's, you know, going to California or um, going out to dinner or hiking or going to a football game, whatever, a water park, water, whatever, right. Anything. Whatever, hanging out with your kids together, whatever it is that you have within them. That's how a lot of people meet in, in the singles is just getting involved in that. And, and again, trying to facilitate more of those activities. Singles can do that on their own. They don't have to have a right. ward family. No, you're to right. And I, I agree. And that's, that's much more fun because people come up with really cool things. And it seems like with the LDS kind of activities are always the same kind of things because everyone's so bent out of shape about being wholesome. So we can't really do this or we can't go anywhere where there's alcohol. So we have to do this instead. So let's just have a Disney theme and, <laughs> and do that instead. And we'll, yeah. So that, that's just like, no, thanks. That is just not my vibe. And that's great if you love it. But I mean, it just seems like it's just, there's nothing there for me. It's kind of a, a waste of time because I don't see value in it for me personally. I'm not saying you shouldn't, but for me, that's just not my thing. And it is for other people. And you know what? I'm totally good with that. If that's your thing, go for it. But it's just, uh, you know, there's, again, it's, it's kind of the, the culture of the church creeps in, the church standards creeps in to the point where it's just kind of a stranglehold on you. It's like, well, we can only do this if it meets these standards because we're all going to church. So we have to do it this way. It's like, ah, we can loosen up a little bit. letting go of the church culture and just they won't. being you. And, and again, that's, sure. that's my, my, I guess, point to drive home in all of this is go and be you. And if you don't fit within that group, find a different group to go hang out with exactly. because they're, and welcome the people that you find into your group, ask them if they want to be a part. Don't feel it's the law of scarcity as opposed to the law of abundance. So many times don't come because there will be limited guys and the, and then I won't have as many opportunities to find someone to date or marry. No, it's abundance that there are plenty of people out there to date and marry. Come join us. Bring what you have. Come and have fun with us. There's no judgment within our group. You know what? You can come and just be yourself and and whenever we, so let's go back to the Lake Powell thing, which we started with. Lake Powell is an amazing experience where we would, and they still do this now, we would have trips where hundreds of singles would come from all across the Midwest and, and the Southwest and, and just enjoy being together and getting to meet each other for four or five days on a houseboat, which means you're really trapped. There's no cell service. You're not going anywhere. Promise. You're going to be on that boat with all these other people. And it was fabulous. We would have people that would, um, they would come and they would drink and they were very respectful. They'd go out and do their little thing every night. And, and they knew that the rest of us didn't drink and they were respectful to that. I love those people. They're invited every year because that was their thing. And, and they didn't force it on anybody. They would invite whoever wanted to come 
and it, there was no judgment from anyone else. That's fabulous to have within right. that realm. See, I'm the kind of guy that I would get some non-alcoholic beers and go join them and, and drink sure. with them and party with them. And for me, that's totally fine. And, and that you know, that people would gasp in the church. I think if if they uh, if they knew that that's I'm, I'm good with that because well, we have to avoid the appearance of evil and all these kinds of stupid programming things. But I don't see anything wrong with that. I mean, you know, I I do have non-alcoholic uh, beers now and then just because I enjoy it. I mean, again, that was something I I love the socializing aspect of drinking, um, you know, just like socializing drinking, right? Social drinking, just responsibly and just going out to a happy hour, having a couple of drinks with friends and having a fun time. I miss that part of, of my non-church life. Uh, I don't miss the getting crazy, stupid, drunk and getting sick, <laughs> right? Joe can talk like this because he's come from like a different this. world I, and, this and morphed is a into world. one and of ours. Again, this is, this is where we get back to, uh, you know, we're going to weed out the, uh, the, the people who are offended by this kind and of stuff. I think that's wonderful that you have a different viewpoint because now you can say, I don't even want to go back to that. Oh, I do. That's, that's, I've been is. there. No, I, I have. That, that, that's the one thing. I think I even talked about this in my conversion story, but that is the one thing that keeps me in the gospel is I know what it's like to live without the truth. I know what it's like to live without the, the Holy Spirit, right, guiding you and, and leading you in your life. And I know what it's like to live with horrible emotions in your heart because of the choices you made, choices you made. Because, of, because you didn't know any better. I know what it's like to go back. So if you leave the gospel, and I, I, I kind of had a little bit of a wild streak uh, right after my divorce, and it was short-lived and everything, and I, it was just a good reminder of like, oh, yeah, that's why I don't want to live that lifestyle. But again, because, you're in tune with your emotions, and you go, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, I felt was. those same emotions again. Yeah, I don't want to go back to that. I mean, I knew that. it, but I just decided to do it anyway, and uh, it was just, it, it hasn't changed. I still feel terrible, and I still feel like this is unfulfilling, and, and I just, uh, I'm not happy doing this, and so I, I came back, and it's great, and that's what keeps me personally on uh, on the straight and narrow, as they say, but, uh, you know, I, I absolutely uh, accept everyone, and, and I love people who, you know, were, were, were like me before, and I can really relate to that, and I don't judge at all, and honestly, you know, I just have a lot of time, or fun, hanging out with those people all the time uh, with that, so that uh, that makes sense. Um, you know, on the, uh, when we're talking about the dating side, I really don't, I've gotten off of the dating sites now out of frustration and total, just, I am so done with this kind of stuff, and a big part of that is the misrepresentation. Right, and that's it. my next thing I was going to say. Well, is yeah. Whatever you put up needs to be truth. Put a picture up of what you really look like. Put on your profile today. What you look who like today. You really are, and and then if people are really attracted to you, great. If they're not, then it's, the dating website things just isn't for you. It's okay. Well, it totally is okay. What I do like about it is that um, you can really accelerate the process, right? You can go through a lot of women in terms of viewing people and seeing people, and you can you can scroll through until you find someone that you do find attractive and then make a connection with that person versus before the internet, right? We we're basically going out and hoping that we met somebody and they would have to be within our local geography because you're, you know, that kind Confined, of how do, right? Yeah, you are. How do you meet somebody in another state when there's no way to meet except in person? And that's just, it takes forever, I think, to make connections. If you go to a, a place and there's no one there that you're interested in at all, so well, okay, great. I guess I have to wait till the next weekend. And I'll go to another mm -hmm. place and see what's going on. So I like that you can actually go through and find people every, anywhere, and find people that you want to connect with and that you find attractive, and then just start from there. But the problem is, it's not real in a lot of cases. And everyone who's been on a dating site will tell you, yeah, you know what, this person looked great, and I met him and or her. And, you know, they were overweight or they were 10 years older than their pictures. And they led me to believe that this is who they are. And I think people have this thing in their mind that, you know what, I, I may not be what he's looking for, but if I just kind of get him in the door, you know, then what I mean? I can... and then we can and we start making a connection, he'll just overlook 
that and he'll be okay because now we're friends and again you're now basing it off of a mistruth and not something that you who you really are just be who you are it is but for me that's a trust thing that is a trust thing totally it is right because if you misrepresented yourself before we even met I don't think trust is a core value for you, right? I think you're willing to take a shortcut or cut corners just to get what you want and not worry about the repercussions. And now we're into dating and how I'm so fearful I'll never find somebody. I'll do whatever it takes to to get my foot in the door to convince someone to marry me because I just want to know I'm worthy. And, and it's all based out of shame and fear. It is. And trust is a huge thing for me. Uh, you know, there's trust, there's integrity, there's loyalty, there's open communication, transparency. Those are the foundational elements of a relationship. Of a relationship. And I 100% agree with and that. They're, they're, they are a, non-negotiable for me. And if even one of those is missing, right? If you can't be honest, but you're very trustworthy or, or you're, you know, you're open about I mean, you know, if you, if you can't trust somebody or they're not willing to be, uh, you know, open uh, communicating, they're closed off and they won't mm -hmm. communicate, but they're, you know, they're, well, they're, I can trust the guy. I just can't talk to him. You know, you, you have to have all of them or none in order for a relationship to be truly successful. And so if you can come into dating using all of those things and saying, look, I'm presenting myself this way. I can be trusted. I am loyal. I'm going to be forthright. I'm going to be honest. I can honest. communicate. I can commu and I, if I don't know how to communicate, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to work on that. I'm going to... Well, that's what I did right in my, from my marriage, you know, right. that whole you story. Le you're learning how to communicate because in, you know, maybe in your marriage before you go, I wasn't very good at that. So I'm going to learn to be open and communicate but you learned from your marriage, and that's a wonderful thing, also. Well, I know, and I learned. Well, I learned from you primarily that I had that issue, right? And that goes back to being very self-withdrawn, or so, uh, as a child growing up, right? Because of a strict Catholic home and everything. Right. Like I became withdrawn, and my go-to became just shutting down when things didn't go my way or I was angry or upset or there was a challenge or whatever, a conflict, I would just shut down. And I brought that go-to into my marriage and I would not communicate, right? And that, that weakened the, the bond, right? And that, that destroyed the connection over time and that ultimately kind of led to this disconnection which ultimately you know, created the situation that we're in and it just wasn't worth it to, there wasn't a connection there enough to make an investment to, to, continue, to continue to make it work. And it wasn't, I mean, that's not a bad thing, I don't think. Um, and it took working with you to realize, hey, that is a go-to that I have. This is a thing that I do. And this is really what led to, because it, it happened just over years and years and years. It was just a it was slow, slow drip. And that's the thing, it's very slow. It but is. you can't change it you, what don't, you see don't know. It. And if I don't know right. that I'm not communicating, I can't change it. And so I re realized that from you and then looking back into my marriage, it's like, oh yeah, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I did. And this is the reason that we broke down. And I take responsibility for that. I will, I absolutely will own up to that because my ex did try and try and try. And, um, you know, I just kept uh, shutting down and, and I think it just eventually she realized that, you know, it's just kind of a fruitless effort and that's on me. And I, I you know, I regret that. Uh, but I mean, it is what it is. And I've learned that about myself and I've been working on that. So now I'm very, very open in communication and maybe too much. Like maybe I just communicate or over communicate too much, but I don't think that's a problem. But I understand the value of that. And I'm very much, uh, you know, uh, focused on attacking problems and issues and conflicts and being open being open and say listen we need to discuss this this is a problem i'm not going to get angry i'm not going to shut down i'm not going to run out and and go and, and do something else i'm going to sit down with you and say here's how i feel here is where i see there's a disconnect between us and right now we can't move forward in our relationship emotionally or, or any other way 
until we get past this because right now you have a problem with this and we need to talk about it or I have a I problem, have a problem with, this. with this or and we don't jive in we, this. We don't jive in this and right. so we have to talk about it. We can't just bury this and try and move on because it's just going to grow and create problems and that's what people do. They let those things fester over all this time and then it just ends up in this horrible divorce where somebody just somebody just implodes, right? right. And, say, and they go cheat or they do whatever. And so it's like, and that never happened in my marriage at all, of course, uh, but I just recognize that communication is so vital and I'm very aware of that now. And I love that I had that weakness. And I think it's been turned into a strength because I'm a very good communicator and I'm very honest. And it's very easy to talk to me. Yeah. And, and now I've all had... the women listening want to date Joe Peck. And so you okay. may, you may well, have like I a... Mean, uh... Hey, listen, you, you can say that the, yeah, I've got motives, but I mean, you're trying to get clients out of this too, talking about how important <laughs> therapy is and how it's going to solve all your problems. I mean, listen, we all got an agenda here. So let's just yeah. be honest no, I don't about have that. that agenda. I have plenty of clients, trust me. But, but yeah. And, and so I think, yeah, and, and I want to end... Uh, this whole dating thing with my my just kind of a bit of my story to kind of an understanding of of dating and where I went so I went from that place of just feeling sick and not really being able to go back to those mid singles to having a group of friends and then that became my lifeline that I could know that I could depend on them through thick and thin in my life and I wasn't married to them but they were the best friends ever and we stood by each other through everyone's dating stuff through everyone trying different things. And in one of my prayers and my, the personal revelation I got was that I needed to do more for the singles. And I argued with the Lord pretty fervently about that one because the mid singles were weird and I didn't want to do more for them. I wanted to hide at home. And that's the Lord said, you no, you need to go and serve these people. So I would put together parties. I'd have people over to my house, which is so not me. I'm more introverted in that way. I would get out, I would do things with them, and that's how I ended up meeting my husband, is a friend of mine was dating a person in his branch in Palm Springs. He invited him to Lake Powell, and that's where we met at Lake Powell. And if I hadn't been serving and hadn't been doing those things, I never would have met him because I lived in Gilbert, Arizona, and he lived in Palm Springs, California. He's 10 years younger than I am, never married, there's no way our paths would have crossed. And that's the thing. I didn't understand what that revelation was until I followed it and ended up meeting my husband because I did exactly what the Lord told me. And it's, and I, and that's through love and connection to others will all and serving will always bring you those fruits of your labors. And now, and that's part of the being single is you're in a wonderful place to serve and love and be connected to a group of people that will be there for you also. So dating is wonderful in that way. It is. It's an amazing thing. Like I actually, you know, and I've, I've, we haven't really talked about the, some of the experiences I've had and that's okay. Everyone's had experiences and that, that doesn't matter. But in spite of the, uh, you know, the, the, some, you know, really horrible experiences, some challenging, some just frustrating, uh, I'm more than enthusiastic about dating because, uh, ultimately I'll, I will walk through all this crap forever to find my dream girl, to find that person who makes me happy and we can have that kind of relationship. We're just so in love with each other and so happy being together that we can't imagine not being together and we don't want to be together and we both want to work at it to make sure that it stays the way that it is. I believe that that's possible. And, you know, to summarize this whole concept of dating, it is not unlike anything else in the world. It all ties back into every topic that we talked about on this podcast so yep. far. Faith, having faith in God, trusting in God, yep. and not leaning to your own understanding. understanding. 
just trusting that your person is out there, the right person is out there. He has a plan for you, and he'll bring you together when the time is right, even though your understanding says, this sucks. Like, everyone I know in my city is not what for me. Like, I'm not interested in these people at all. I've had these horrible relationships or whatever's happened. I can't find my person. It doesn't matter. Trust in the Lord, and believe me, you'll have a, a wonderful and very, very healthy experience. And just have faith that uh, it can work out. It, it, all, all these principles just tie into every aspect of life. It's really fascinating to me. So there we are. So that is our dating uh, episode. We may have uh, follow-up episodes uh, based on uh, how things work out for me <laughs> because, I mean, hey, it's, uh, it's crazy out there, and who doesn't want to hear about that? So uh, thank you again for listening. We'll look forward to seeing you in the next uh, podcast episode. In the meantime, keep your faith and keep your stick in the ice. Cheers. Thank you for listening to the Impeccable Perspective Podcast. Subscribe to us on Spotify, Amazon Prime, iHeartRadio, and wherever fine podcasts are sold.